You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,123. I've invited Jean Latou to join us today to talk about the ABCs of accounting and finance. Don't go anywhere. That promise is actually going to be quite interesting and informative, and you're going to be glad you listened to this podcast or live stream on octalkradio.net. Gene has recently written an article about the differences between accountants, bookkeepers, controllers, CFOs, and CPAs, the ABCCCs, Mm -hmm. and when to use each in a growing middle market business. Gene, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be here. So let's start by, you have a little story about your background that might help the audience to learn a little bit more about you as an entrepreneur? Yes. So I've been in this business for 10 years. And before that, I was a CPA, a controller, a VP finance, and a CFO. (laughs) So you know about those. So yes, uh, I know each of those roles intimately. I've either done the work or I've supervised those working in those roles. Um, But I found my true passion when I started doing this type of business because I'm more on the people side of the business and I let others, my consultants, do the debits and credits. Okay. So that's Ingenio Solutions. Correct. And 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 you're helping place the right type of technical talent inside of these middle market companies. That's right. So my consultants are usually controllers or CFOs. Okay. They have at least 20 years of experience and they've worked in multiple industries. And they will work with our clients on either an interim basis uh, to fill the gap for somebody who's left the company or is out on a leave. Mm -hmm. They might work on a project like a software implementation, or they might work as a fractional or part-time CFO and help smaller businesses with, help them out with their budget, but, you know, give them some good CFO advice and guidance. Like strategy or future modeling and... Exactly, some good financial analysis and help them make some better financial decisions for their company. So I work a lot here in Southern California with lower middle market companies, 2 to $20 million, and all of them have at least a bookkeeper Mm -hmm. and a CPA that they talk to as needed uh, to help them make sure that everything's working right. But in the article that you've written, you've listed a lot of other positions. Why is it important for a middle market company to know about these other roles like a controller or a CFO? Because I think as the business grows, um, there's, uh, it's important to establish a strong financial foundation. Mm. And each role has a different uh, function within the company. So while a bookkeeper is great at organizing data and getting the data into an accounting system like QuickBooks, they generally don't know accounting. They don't know debits and credits. And so they don't know if the financial statements are right. And so then you need an accountant who can do the same thing, but on an accrual basis. Um, If you have a banker that wants your financials, or you have uh, another outside lender, you might have an investor. Um, You might have a partner in the business that wants to understand better. That's when you bring in an accountant to do that type of work. Okay. A controller is somebody who oversees the daily, day-to-day of accounting. They usually supervise and review the work of others. So they would get involved in making sure month-end close was done correctly and Mm -hmm. on time. 
they would review the financials and make adjustments before the books are finalized. They, um, they might do a budget. They should do a budget. <laughs> um, and basically... That's the best practice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, and they're really... And a good analogy for a controller is a train engineer, somebody who keeps the trains running on time okay. and on the tracks. You don't want the company financials to get derailed right. by, um, by not, somebody not paying attention to them. So everything you've talked about so far is sort of backward-looking reporting. Correct. So the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, is somebody who's always forward-looking, okay. thinking about the future, focused on what the pro formas look like in the future. They have somebody who will do the financial analysis to take a look at where we might think we might be in the future based on our past experience. Right, and our decisions about investments in the business or something. I, I, I find in my limited experience in working with middle market companies, the appreciation for how valuable a pro forma could be in informing their future decisions isn't as high as I would, would like it to be. Yes. Because I, I, I don't know the time invested in modeling is valued as much as getting the accurate reports out on time and making sure the checking's right, right nobody's stealing from me, and all the other yeah. things you have to do in a business, right? It's true. Um, and I think one, one way that a company can look to the future is to do the exercise of creating a pro forma, if that's another word for a projection. Yes. Where do we think we're going to be next year or the next three or five years? And if we can plan for that from a, an investment perspective, uh, from a people perspective, it's important to know if we think that we're going to double revenue next year, what do we need in terms of resources right. um, to get that done? Because you may need a bigger line of credit, especially if you're a manufacturer or construction company, because right. that zero doesn't grow on trees. you got to buy it, right? Yeah. So th yeah. knowing that well in advance is a real advantage. Yes. So it feels like to me the two best practices that we've talked about with Gene Latou in the first segment, budgeting. Yes. And then measuring actuals to budget. Mm -hmm. And forecasting projections. Those two almost are like two sides of the same coin to me. They are, because budgeting is really the first 12 months of your projection. Right, right. Yeah. And then your mm -hmm. actuals are just kind of consuming that. And That's right. Right, and that, that gets you in a disciplined behavior for checking your performance against your expectations. Exactly. And many businesses aren't accustomed to doing that. They've, they've gotten by without doing a budget. But if you can set your expectations on paper, in the form of a budget and then compare actual each month, then you'll know how good you are at estimating or forecasting the future. Right. And I think that builds a certain confidence that allows you to go to bankers or to mm -hmm. other finance vehicles and mm -hmm. partners. Financing sources, and, yeah. And, and grow your business by getting outside money in your business in a way mm -hmm. that is in your best interest. That's right. Okay. And all of those parties would be looking for financial statements right. on an accrual basis. <laughs> okay. Write that all down, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Gene Latou here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Can we talk about the life cycle of business and when to hire and engage kind of each of these various roles? Because yes. you talked about growth. I want to come back to that mm -hmm. in the next okay. block. But we need to take a very short time out here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back in less than a minute after this short word from me. <laughs> Best-selling author Richard Franzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, 
Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. Through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others, Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats Leads to Rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have Gene Latou here in the studio. You know, all of our shows can be heard anytime, ladies and gentlemen, either on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, hundreds of former guest websites whose CEO and founder have appeared on our show. Since we started doing this show in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through the live stream here on octalkradio.net and the other podcasting platforms we use, as well as YouTube. For those of you that might be watching us on Facebook Live, we'll turn this into a video and put it up on YouTube later. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your favorite podcasting software, and you'll get automatically, like magic, the weekly shows that I do with great guests like Gene Latou. Okay, Gene, I said we were going to talk about the life cycles of the business and these mm-hmm. different positions. Can you help our audience to understand when they should be thinking about these different financial positions? Definitely. Um, I'm just holding this uh, this little chart up for the <laughs> you t- uh, yeah, you t- YouTube uh, Live. Facebook Live. Uh, Facebook Facebook Live. Go. Okay. Got it? <laughs> okay. So this is a chart I put together to try and help companies understand best when they need to bring in each person into the business. Um, typically, you'd have a CPA from the beginning, right? You want the advice of a tax preparer, a tax advisor, um, and they would be in, involved in your business, providing consultation throughout the life of the business. Generally, the entrepreneur starts by doing the books themselves, but pretty quickly they realize that might not be the best use of their time, and so they hire a bookkeeper. Okay. Bookkeepers enter the data, um, good at organizing. And then um, as soon as the business wants some outside financing or gets, a, gets an investment partner or needs a reason to show those financials outside the business, uh-huh. uh, it's important to create accrual-based financials. And I recommend instead of hiring an accountant or controller, hire a part-time CFO. Really? <laughs> yes. Why? Because there are many things that a part-time CFO, because they have more strategic look at the business, that they can execute simply and easily in in a less complicated business. Um, so if a part-time CFO actually fits their budget better, um, and they can work a couple days a month, they could work a day a week, whatever fits into their budget of the company. Okay. And then they can be instrumental in putting those financials together and getting them out to investors or out to the bank, and they can answer questions about it as well. Right. So it, so the second person to hire would be a part-time CFO. So it sounds like you might pay it a little bit more, but you're getting a lot more capable individual. Correct. Okay. Correct. And I would think that that person's presence within your company, whatever cadence it is, has a halo effect to the bookkeeper or maybe yes. the controller or other people sort of... Mm-hmm come up up their game because they're around a senior sure. level financial that person can be a mentor yeah mentor uh, can review for. you know review financials give feedback you right. know how each of them can improve their game yeah 
so as the company grows, so I would say part fractional CFO, maybe up to five to 10 million in revenue. Okay. All right. But once you get beyond 10 million, I really recommend you have a controller because it likely means you have more than one bookkeeper doing basic data entry tasks. But that those you may have two or three or four of those folks, and somebody needs to supervise them. Yeah, that sounds confusing. Other yeah. than the CEO of the business, they right. have more challenging things to address. So get a controller who can make sure all the daily activity is occurring, bills are getting paid on time, billings to customers are getting done on a timely basis, accounts receivable are being collected. Those are all functions the controller has to make sure are happening. Whenever I hear the word controller, I also think about someone who's looking at your policies and procedures and making mm-hmm. sure you have segregation of duties and authority and right. th- that, you're, that you're running a business that isn't ripe for fraud. Correct. And so I, I call that a, keeping a strong internal controls environment. Okay. Right. So segregation of duty falls in that. Reviewing financials falls into that. Reviewing checks before they're signed falls under that. All of those things are good controls that um, a, a strong internal control environment will have those things. Yeah. And it's not something that you could necessarily expect a bookkeeper or a group of bookkeepers to really be responsible for. You almost right. need somebody who's who has that background and experience and even has that basic in their DNA. Tell me if I'm wrong. A person who aspires to be a controller is slightly different maybe than a person who aspires to be the CFO. Correct. Because the the rewards of the job can be very different. Yes. And the stress levels can be very different. Right. Expectations may be higher for a CFO. Uh, I would say both the CFO and the controller should have education, uh, degrees, either bachelor's or master's in accounting or finance depending on the, the university. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd expect an accountant would have a degree in accounting, but I wouldn't expect that of a bookkeeper. Okay. So there's one distinction there. Okay. So you, a bookkeeper can be someone that you maybe train up to do the bookkeeping work as well, mm-hmm. if they have the right attention to detail and Correct. like that type of work. Yes. Because yes. that, that, that's a special individual. It is. <laughs> right. It is someone who can have attention to detail and really enjoys that. And Daily. Plenty of folks like that. Good. So they're important to hire into your organization for right. sure. Okay. Question, Gene. Is it better to have higher end people that maybe have to do some of the more basic tasks, or is it better to have the people who know how to do more of the basic tasks occasionally do the higher end work? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's really important to have the right qualifications in a CFO or a controller to do the higher-end tasks. Generally, they can't be done by somebody with less experience or less education. Okay. So it makes that's why I like this part-time CFO role, because you can have more qualifications, a, high, a more highly qualified person attend to your financing needs, attend to the preparation of the financials according to GAAP generally accepted accounting principles. But I wouldn't expect that of a bookkeeper, and I wouldn't expect it of an accountant. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've heard you say in, in the talks that I've heard you give is that you, you need to make sure that when you bring in the part-time CFO, they have a range of experiences that is uh, appropriate to you to the business. Because one of the advantages is they know best practices of other companies that right. they could help you just through osmosis put in place. Yes, yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? So by virtue of their experience in so many industries, so many companies, they bring a lot, they bring all of that with them to your business. 
to your company and they can help implement best best whether it's best practices based on your budget and what your budget allows right make sure there's a good strong internal controls environment um Make sure that they can open doors with vendors, bankers, lenders, investment partners that can provide those funding sources that your business might need to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is very valuable. I think they can also teach the CEO the language of business, which is finance and accounting. Yes. I would love that more CEOs were open to that because I do believe that accounting is the language of business. When I went to Pepperdine and got my MBA, (laughs) as soon as we got into the accounting and finance classes, I quickly recognized this is the language of business and you need to be able to speak it. Right. You need to understand what the acronyms are. You understand what the ratios are. Because if you can't, then the people who speak the language of business are less trusting that you should have their money. Because most of those Mm -hmm. people that speak the language of business are the people that you need to get money from to grow. Exactly. Exactly. A very good reason to be able to speak that language and on top of it, to know your numbers off the top of your head. Right. Like you should know what your revenue was last month and last year. You should know where you expect to land at the end of this year. Um, You should know what your margins are. You should know what your net income is. And uh, any CEO who has read and understand their financials would know that information. Right. Because there are basically, in my opinion, tell me if I'm wrong, three reports that a CEO should really, a business owner should understand. Balance sheet, income statement, and some form of a statement of cash flows. Correct. Those are the three basic uh, financials that are required for audited financials. Right. Those are the three, definitely. And there's an interrelationship between each one. Right. And being able to kind of pivot off of one and how it feeds the next one and how that, I mean, being comfortable going through those documents with someone who is also equally comfortable can be really an insight because in that is we're always looking to improve the processes of our business Mm -hmm. in those reports there's a lot of decisions that you've made and processes that you could possibly improve and as you say when you're speaking with a lender um, or an investor your um, handle your grip on those numbers and what they mean in each of those reports is is very important to the confidence of that person. It's interesting, and I've gone way off script with you, I hope you don't mind. (laughs) But one of the things I find interesting too is how important EBITDA Mm -hmm. is to outside financial people and how infrequently it's discussed internally. My experience, tell me if I'm wrong, inside of the company itself. Right, so EBITDA for our listeners is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And it's, um, it's a measure that Wall Street uses to value companies. But most business owners that don't have an outside investor aren't really aware of what their EBIT is. Yeah, they look more at profit and loss. Absolutely. Well, or uh, cash flow. Yeah, well, you start with the checking account. How much right. money do I have in the checking account? Now let's go off of that. But, yeah. but um, when you're looking with private equity or, or other, I don't want to say sophisticated in a way that sounds demeaning, but I mean, people who really are looking to put money in to get an engine fl- firing up of a business, well, they're the looking at Well, the only reason they do it is they want to return. Right. And how do they measure return on EBITDA? Right. So that's a topic for a whole other conversation, <laughs> ladies. And I hope we, and gentlemen, I hope we didn't push you off of your interest level. But I'm just trying to, since we have someone who knows this stuff so well, I was just wanting to kind of circle back. So um, what would be your parting shot here for a business owner who's listening to you today says, well, I got a bookkeeper or keepers and I have a CPA. And I'm about $11 million, and I'd like to be mm. at 20. Mm. Where should I place my bets, Jean Latou? <laughs> my recommendation, strong recommendation, is to 
include a part-time CFO on your team. They can be a partner in the business to you from a decision-making standpoint. They can provide a financial dashboard based on your financial statements and the information that's on your P&L and on your balance sheet. Those are, uh, those are valuable tools that a CFO can teach a CEO how to use, how to present to the outside world, and strategize about how to grow the business based on, we're 11 million today, we wanna to be at 20 million in how many years? How are we gonna get there? Right. What investments in people, process, and technology do we wanna make? You know, you just said something, I wish we had more time with this concept of a financial di- dashboard, because that can really simplify the, mm. the information that's underneath it right. and present it in a way that's easy to visually grasp. It is. And you can you can pick metrics that work for you on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. That data is being captured in your systems. So let's find a way to, um, to raise attention to it, to make it transparent right. to the business owner. And parting shot, uh, many business owners plan to keep their business forever, or they realize at some point they want to liquidate it, sell it, or pass it on, or do something. Yeah. Having these type of processes in place as well in advance as oh, possible yeah. mm-hmm. from that event yes. can really help you command the highest dollar value mm-hmm. for your business because it demonstrates to a buyer you've had a handle on the performance of the business for Correct. quite some time. Correct. It's good to get a head start. Right. Five years ahead, if, if there's that much time. At least. Yes. People think five years is too long, but I've had a lot of exit people on this show. I've seen yep. businesses that have exited. And if you wait till inside of five years, you really are scrambling to, yes. to get everything Agreed. right, to get the maximum value for what you've created over the time that you've had that business. Mm-hmm. I agree. So if someone would like to talk to you, Jean Latou, how do they find <laughs> you online? I am at ingeniosolutions.com. That's spelled I-N-G-E-N-I-O, solutions with an S, dot com. Or I'm happy to take your phone call, 949-529-2970. Are you on LinkedIn? I am. And how would they find you there? They would find me at either Ingenio Solutions, my company name, or at Jean Latou, L-A-T-U. Thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of the Critical Mass community. I've been excited to have you on the show since you agreed to be on it, and you didn't disappoint, Gene. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. It's been fun. I need to thank our engineer for today, none other than Paul Roberts, and our producers, without whom we wouldn't be able to do this show every week, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. Thank you. I would like to say, if you want to connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N. ZI. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 